And so if we can use technology to continue to keep that relationship open, it actually does build loyalty rather than degrade it. So I think it's it's something that we've had to kind of have a, a philosophical shift, a mental shift in our industry to really understand that, that tech touch is not a bad thing. It is something actually that puts us in our, our customer's inbox, in their, in their phone, in their text messages, and, and does actually build relationship rather than break it down. Welcome to a new episode of Covetra's Connected Care. I'm your host, Nicole Knight, and I'm Content Marketing Manager at Covetra's. Thank you for joining us. Today on the show, we're putting practice efficiency under the microscope with the help of two highly knowledgeable guests, Dr. Link Welburn, Chief Veterinary Officer for Covetra's in North America and the owner of six AHA accredited hospitals in Tampa, Florida, and Stephanie Foster, Director of Customer Education at Covetris. Stephanie and Link, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. Same. So we like to start with the hard-hitting questions here on the podcast. So are you dog lovers, cat lovers, all of the above, something else? Do tell. I actually fall into not only both categories with uh, two Springer Spaniels and two cats, but also two birds. I've got a yellow-naped Amazon and a blue and gold macaw as well. Nice. I didn't know that about you, Dr. Wellborn. <laughs> I, uh, I am team dog all the way. I spent uh, you know, a lot of years wrangling cats in, in clinic, and I love me some dog. I like having, uh, like having a pet that uh, looks up to me and wants to spend time with me instead of bossing me around. So I have a, a, a six-year-old Ruby Cavalier King Charles. Aww. That's awesome. So switching gears, tell listeners a little bit about your individual backgrounds and what makes you passionate about animal health? Well, I came from practice background. So I spent 20 years in, in veterinary practices, uh, hospital administrator, ultimately, towards the end of my tenure, and, uh, and really enjoyed problem solving and working with customers and, and getting to work with diagnosticians and really enjoyed that aspect of things. After that, I became a practice consultant and, and now working for Covetris, I get the best of both worlds because I get to work with our customers and help them succeed uh, and still be able to be you know, tuned in to, uh, to veterinary medicine, um, but providing solutions for our veterinary practices. So and I, I, I think Stephanie does have an amazing job, and I, I've got one as well. Uh, so I've been a veterinarian for 40 years and uh, still see patients a couple of days a week uh, and putting that together with my other activities like uh, that with Covetris is, has been an amazing opportunity. Just providing care for pets uh, you know, that provide unconditional love for people is an incredible privilege. And when you think about it, it's uh, the, the you know the people that own pets are pretty nice, and veterinarians are pretty nice people. The veterinary the people that work with veterinarians are pretty nice people. We really are privileged to to have the opportunity to work in the field we do. I couldn't agree more. It's a wonderful community to be in, and thank you for that. So let's dive into some questions. The American Veterinary Medical Association recently studied 60 veterinary practices. I'm going to throw some numbers at you. They studied 60 veterinary practices, then they rated their efficiency. They found that highly efficient practices accommodated 75% more appointments per veterinarian than practices that were deemed less efficient. 
Wow. Importantly, this higher efficiency translated into more animal care. Highly efficient practices reported 10% more visits than less efficient clinics. Now, clearly, efficiency represents an area of opportunity. Can you start by walking us through what is not working today in the clinic? Well, some of it is just the, sort of the nature of the beast, you might say. Um, you know, general veterinary practice, which is also, you know, primary care practice, has always been innately inefficient um, in comparison to human health care, whether we're talking about dentistry or care that's provided by physicians. And that's because in, in primary care veterinary practice, you're providing care for multiple species, at least dogs and cats and the entire breadth of their medical needs. So a veterinarian may see a dog that needs care for its skin disease, and the next appointment may be a puppy for wellness care, and the next a vomiting cat. Uh, There's just so much variety that's driven by the needs of the client and the patient, not by the practice. And by comparison, in, in human healthcare, they have one species and often a finite age range and a set of medical needs. And so the, the reality is that veterinary practices have been able to overcome inefficiencies because of uh, abundant, relatively inexpensive labor. And, and those days are over. So practices really need to address inefficiency now in a way that, frankly, they didn't need to in the past. So inefficiency can be improved greatly by assuring that all staff members, you know, from veterinarians to animal attendants are fully trained in their jobs and are utilized uh, optimally. You know, all too often we still have veterinarians that are doing venipuncture and placing IV catheters or taking x-rays. Those are duties that should be performed by others. And, and unfortunately there's, you know, highly skilled veterinary technicians that are sometimes relegated to, to serving as animal holders. And, but the reality is that, you know, job satisfaction and fulfillment and retention are all enhanced when employees are performing the highest level of work for which they're trained. Just think about it. There, there are very few of us that are, that are satisfied when we're performing duties that you're considered to be menial labor. That's so true. So it sounds like a practice might want to first get a handle on what's not working with their specific workflow before making changes. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. And some of it's pretty obvious if you start looking around a practice. Uh, just you know, think about trying to eliminate duplicate effort, for instance. Think about a lot of practices. They'll have a, a, team, a team member, like a technician, go into the exam room and ask questions about the medical needs of that pet. Um, And then they'll come out of the exam room and the veterinarian will go in and they'll do the same thing all over again, sometimes asking some of the same questions, which is not only a waste of time, but also can be annoying to clients. You know, so one way to get around something like that, for instance, would be to, to leverage technology by sending a questionnaire to the client in advance of the visit, for instance, through email, having that questionnaire returned and reviewing it um, before the uh, actual visit starts. And then to the extent that it's necessary, kind of augmenting that with a conversation or shorter conversation, one conversation uh, with the client. I mean, there's simple things like that, that, you know, uh, any practice could take advantage of. The other thing is just thinking about 
trying to make sure that everything in the practice has its home, you know, every item that is, uh, you know, if it's the micro- microscope slides or it's an otoscope, making sure that every everybody knows where it belongs and everybody commits to putting it back where it belongs if they're the one that's taking it away. Veterinarians are typically the, the biggest culprits there, so you have to get them to commit too. And the best way to do that is that, you know, for every room, everybody that utilizes that room, you get them all together Everybody agrees this is where the microscope slides go. And then, uh, you know, once again, commit to making sure they're stocked on a regular basis and that to the extent that somebody moves them out of their place, they put them back. You know, those are those are easy, inexpensive things to do that can really make a difference. So it sounds like you're talking about something like a time and motion type of study of their of their flows inside the clinic. Yeah, I think time and motion studies have really great, they, they can be very complex. And when I first learned about time and motion studies, I learned about them in a very complex methodology, right? So you're unpacking all of the steps that go into something and determining how long it takes, but they can be very well simplified. And it really comes down to looking at all of the steps uh, that it takes to execute a, 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 a certain system. And so my practice, for instance, we were struggling with special order diets. I knew that it was taking us a ton of time. It's a low margin item for our clinic. And we were trying to figure out how do we, how do we really understand, if, are we losing money? Are we making money? We don't know. We don't know. And so we did a, a simple time and motion study. And so we walked through, these are the seven steps that it takes to fulfill an order. And I had my team spend, you know, a, a take three or four phone calls and give me an average of how long does it take to, to take the phone call from the customer and then put in the order. And then for my inventory manager to, to take that through the execution of, of ordering and receiving and then calling the owner and the transaction at the end of what we found was it took 40 minutes on average for every special order that we did. And based on the wages at that time, it was we, were, we should have stapled a $5 bill to every bag of food before we sent it out the door. We were paying people to buy food from us. And so you can do simple time motion studies. It can be on a process. It could actually be physical steps. Do we need to move this thing because we spend an extra thousand steps a month to get from you know point A to point B over and over and over again? So it could be just configuring where things are located in your practice to save time. And if you can save five, 10, 15 minutes a day, you start being, you know, more efficient. Your team members can be focused on the things that are most important to you, or you can see more exams or your doctors get out on time. So there's lots of different ways that you can use that time that you win back, but you have to, you have to measure it first before you can determine where you, where you have that extra time that you can utilize elsewhere. Right. And it just makes me think of that AVMA study that I mentioned, how those highly efficient practices, they could use those gains then to then have more visits, which is exactly what we'd love to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think, I never talk to clinics that are are lacking for, for customers. You know, they have people that are pounding on their door and they've got you know, those emergent calls that call in the morning of and, and it's it, they need to get in and we don't have any openings. And so it, it's critical that we save time because we can we can treat more patients. And ultimately, I think that's what everyone wants, regardless of revenue or or efficiencies. It really comes down to being able to take care of more animals. One thousand percent. We know technology can improve efficiency. Our research on our own pulse solution shows it saves time, for example. If a busy practice owner is weighing new technology, what are some smart places 
for them to start? I think it really comes around automation and how do you balance automation with retaining that relationship with your customer? And I think looking at how your medical charts are are configured within your practice management software, how you're taking payments. For instance, if you have an integrated payment solution, you are able to eliminate the uh, clerical errors of human putting in numbers and sometimes transposing them. I can't tell you the number of calls I got at the end of the day when I was in practice. We can't balance the books, Stephanie. What do we do? And, you know, usually a fresh set of eyes in the morning would find the issue because they've been staring at it for an hour. And so those are the kinds of things that kill time and and drive up your labor. Um, You have prescription management. You know, if you've got prescriptions that are coming in from third parties, number one, with online pharmacy, you can retain that revenue and relationship with your customer, but you can also automate some things. And, And if you've got right back into your practice management software, you don't have to worry about double entry. Um, and then wellness plans, uh, those have, have grown from, from a kind of, uh, you know, subscription-based system where, you know, clients buy a package and they sometimes use it and they sometimes don't into really uh, a, a better program for people to be able to budget their, their veterinary expenses over the course of the year. And, and with our VCP, Covetris well, Wellness Plans, our care plans, um, we're able to really offer um, a, a way for customers to add on that dental extraction and and pay for it over the course of time. And it really does, you know, going back to, to Dr. Wellborn's um, comments about the exam room, it, it eliminates some of the, the conversations that you have to have over and over because the customer knows all of these things are, are coming. And so when y- you have to do a combination of those two things, right, you have to build efficient workflows and utilize technology in a way that allows you to be, you know, as, as efficient as possible. There's the steps and the and the manual labor that goes into it, but also when can you go to automation rather than having someone pick up the phone? I think about all the callbacks that my my team did over the years. And I know Dr. Wellborn's team does this too. We're calling in, we're checking on those patients, and it's important. We want to know how they're doing, but we get voicemail over and over and over, and we're leaving voicemails and then Sometimes customers call you back, sometimes they don't. What if you could send a text that still has the same feel good, you know, feeling that they get and they're more likely to receive it and they're more likely to respond. And so there are ways that we can actually lean into how our customers communicate outside of the veterinary walls and and establish those in our own practices. Yeah, I'm just thinking of my own vet because my poor Roxy had to have a couple of extractions and I would have loved if she had some sort of care plan or dental plan for that because that was a little bit of a shock, can't lie. And then I do want to give them a ton of props though because they are very good about sending me text messages, reminding me, you know, no food or treats after 10 p.m. the night before. So I love that part of the technology aspect of it. And just to kind of like continue on this thread. So we talked about higher efficiency as a big payoff from technology, but what are some other benefits that maybe you've seen, Stephanie, working in practice I think customer loyalty really is is the critical piece. I mean, no matter which kind of, of practice you're running, ultimately you want your customers to be loyal to you. You want them to come back. They You want them to look to you as the expert. And we can't be all things to all people all the time and, and be able to sustain that pace. We ask our teams to do a lot of things in, in the practice. And it's a lot of communication. It's a lot of talking. It's a lot of follow-up. 
We're asking our doctors to complete their medical records. And, and sometimes that can be a challenge. And, and so they end up staying late. And, and so we have a, a state of, of burnout and fatigue in our, in our clinics because we're, we are trying to do so many things. And so when we utilize technology to have extra touches with our customers, I think that for a while there was this perception that that was going to break down the relationship with your, with your customer, that that face-to-face was, was all there was. And if you couldn't get that, that it was going to break things down. And what we found actually is that a lot of times our customers don't want to talk to us, right? They'd much rather get a message to remind them of something. It keeps us front of mind. And when they do need to talk to us, knowing that we're there. And I think sometimes we, we miss that extra step. We've had the face-to-face in the exam room. We've made that connection. We've built trust and rapport. And then we don't talk to them again until they're due for something else. And so if we can use technology to continue to keep that relationship open, it actually does build loyalty rather than degrade it. So I think it's, it's something that we've had to kind of have a, a philosophical shift, a mental shift in our industry to really understand that, that tech touch is not a bad thing, right? It, it is something actually that puts us in our, our customer's inbox, in their, in their phone, in their text messages, and, and does actually build relationship rather than break it down. Right. And it meets customers, you know, like myself, where I am. It's much easier for me to receive a text message. And then I know my vet's thinking about me. Absolutely. And, and think about home delivery and, and those kinds of things. I haven't been to, I can count on, on two hands the number of times I've been to the grocery store in the last five years. I use shipped. I prefer that. I don't like being hangry in the, in the aisles <laughs> of the grocery store in front of other people. I'd much rather just order it. So, you know, we, we do. We have to meet our customers where they are. And oftentimes, they don't want to have to make a stop. They don't want to have to pull into your parking lot. They don't want to have to turn left at the tough intersection, right? There's lots of different reasons that they don't want to stop in your clinic. When I was a kid, we spent all day every Saturday going around to all of the different you know, uh, places that we needed to stop in the brick and mortar stores. And that's a thing of the past, right? So we, we've, we've, got to, we've got to be in the future and, and understand what our customers are looking for. Yeah, absolutely. This has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much to both of you for coming on the Conventus Connected Care podcast. Thanks very much. Our pleasure. Thank you.